Welcome back, Patriot Pals. Uh, today I have somebody that I often am asked, what book should people buy to understand the dynamics of what is going on in this world that seems so confusing? And I always say to buy The Octopus of Global Control by Charlie Robinson. Well, Charlie Robinson has been nice enough to join me again because he has a book out right now called Hippocrazy. That is the definitive uh, story of what is going on right now in America. And I encourage everyone to buy it because I read this book and thought, thank God somebody is laying it out, putting out solutions, isn't complaining, is just laying it out there for all of us to digest, use to our advantage. Thank you for joining me, Charlie Robinson. Thank you for having me. I'll have you know that I just got this mug from my wife uh, a couple of days ago <laughs> with pronouns on it. Oh my God. So in honor of the book, in, in honor of us talking about the book, I figured I would have some hot tea from my, my pronoun mug and we can, we can make fun of the woke people, shall we? I know. I got to tell you, I, so oh, I have told so many people about your original book and uh, because you lay it out in, in normal terms, you know, a lot of people that have wrote books about the global cabal and all of that. It's, it's very esoteric. Now, yeah. You write it like you're chatting with somebody straight up. This is what's going on. And you really back it up with facts. This new book is as good as it gets to encapsulate exactly what we're going through. But the thing I love about it the most is that you give solutions for how we can save this country and actually humanity <laughs> from these demons. So uh, I just want for my audience that doesn't know you yet for you to tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became like this amazing truth warrior hero. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you, like like most of us, it was accidental, right? I didn't I didn't intend to. I work in real estate. I, I do. My business partners do uh flip or flop vegas we're the team behind that we're renovating houses and making them look all pretty and stuff like that i i had no interest in any of this stuff until i until it affected me until 2007 when i go through the housing crisis in las vegas and i see this gigantic you know the the peak and then the boom and i was a part of it and i didn't realize what was going on i didn't understand how money worked i didn't understand how the banking system really worked and i got burned like a lot of people and i was working in the industry and still and still couldn't see it i couldn't see the big picture right so after losing two houses losing my job losing everything basically right i said i got to figure it out i mean I, I i can't be the guy who's at the three card monty table going that one you know, and then like, they're like, ah, you lost again. You know, I'm like, I want to understand. So I tried to learn as much as I could about money and the way it works and how it's made. And that leads you to the federal reserve and that whole scam. And then that leads you down another path. And then eventually I got to a point where I had just been really interested in these things and I had a, a, an understanding of it, but I hadn't done anything. And my mom, one day I'm telling, I'm, you know, I'm describing some great new conspiracy that I've just discovered or something. I don't know. And she's, she's going, this is great. This is really fascinating and interesting stuff. And you've got all this information. What are you going to do with it? And I was like, well, I don't know. So that led me to start thinking about the idea of writing and that, and then the octopus came to be, and I wrote that in total secrecy, didn't tell anyone about it. And then put that out in 2017. And that turned into just like this, Thing, right. this book that just kind of like took on a life of its own and 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 in in it's funny you say that about the uh, me writing and it not being super esoteric and kind of easy to read 
that's because I need it to be easy to read. I can't understand that. I can't, I don't, I mean, I like I've gone on with Jay Dyer and we talk about some deep shit, but like, I can't explain it the way that guy does. I, I wouldn't even try, you know? So, so why don't I do it in a way that I can't, I can understand it. So I figured I would bring in all these quotes from different people and say, well, this will kind of help to punctuate this, uh, you know, my, the point I'm trying to make. And, um, and that led to the second book, Controlled Demolition of the American Empire, that I wrote with Jeff Berwick from uh, The Dollar Vigilante and Anarchapulco right. and all of that stuff. And that that book is kind of funny because we put that one out last, oh boy, about a, a little, about a year, or just about a year ago. We put it out the Friday before the election. <laughs> and on election day, it became a number one bestseller. And I was like, Jeff, the irony is that anybody that reads this book would never vote again. You know what I mean? And like it happened on election day, you know, it's like, we're just pointing out all this corruption and everything. But, but what I was doing in the background of that book was I was writing hypocrisy. Oh, wow. Uh, I was writing that all, all along sort of because Jeff and I did the book together while he was writing his parts, I was writing this book and I was oh, like, wow. okay, cause I felt a lot to say. So um, what I wanted to tackle in, in the book was th- you know, look, we're all hypocrites on some level and it's a disgusting trait. And where I found myself being like, when I recognized my own hypocrisy, when it comes to like the, the issues that we're facing was when Ed Snowden's, uh, revelation came out and it was all the news, you know, the NSA spying on us and they're wire wiretapping our phones and they've got all this. And I'm going, that's terrible. You know, these bastards are doing all this shit. And, and while I'm, internally complaining and appalled by all of this, I was installing the baby cam above my daughter's crib. And so I'm going, yeah, but it's because I need, I'm the dad and I need to make sure she's safe and and healthy. And somebody doesn't sneak in here and steal her out of the bed and everything. And I thought, wait a second, I'm a gigantic hypocrite because I'm, I'm, I'm simultaneously upset about the NSA spying while I'm spying too. And then I thought, I thought, well, well, wait, um, maybe the same justification I used, which is I'm the dad. I need to know what's going on here. I need to watch this. You know, you're too young. You can't be trusted. I can't just assume you're going to be okay. Maybe that same rationale is what the, how the government looks at us and says, you people are too dumb. You don't understand this. We're smart. We'll figure it out. We need to watch you for your own good and all that stuff. And I thought, God, what a, what a hypocritical thing. And then I thought, well, okay. I can get past that because in this case, I'm the dad and I have to do it. But but what a disgusting trait to be a hypocrite, right? And we're all guilty of it on some level. And then I decided, well, what I was going to start doing mostly was pointing out all the media's hypocrisy. And frankly, you can write a series of books oh, yeah. on that. But it started with my working on the media. And, it, and then I got into uh, the government, of course, because they're the worst. And the subset of that is the wars that they start and the hypocritical nature of, oh, you know, we're, we've got to go get them there so that they don't get us here. Or, or right. you know, it's a war, war on terror, not a war of terror and how they play with the words. And, and that led me down to, um, to finishing up this over the last couple of months of this summer, really going after the woke mob and, right. and their insanity, their brand of, of, I don't know what you, mental illness masquerading as manners or something. Right. I don't know. So I, I, I decided, well, okay, if I don't, if I don't footnote this book, like 
like crazy. And there's right. 480 footnotes in it. But if no, I don't do that, people are going to think I'm making this stuff up because it's so insane and silly and ridiculous. Like, you know, collecting rainwater in Oregon will get you arrested. Like collecting rainwater on your own property is illegal and they will come to your door and take you to jail for it. Right. And so, and I have to put a footnote because you'll go get out of here. That's not happening. And then you go, Oh my God, there's like a whole article on this. Like, yeah, yeah, it's really happening. So, so that was, that was part of this book was that it wasn't enough for me to just write about the insanity, which is everywhere. Right. But I had to really make sure to document it too, because I didn't want the woke people to go, you're just taking shots at me. It's like, you're right. I'm taking shots at you, but here's 11 examples of all the reason why you're insane. And here's right. the footnotes to show all the things that you've been doing over the last couple of years and show what hypocrites you are too. And how, so, so it's, it's, it's fact-based it's backed up with a lot of evidence, but it's also kind of lighthearted too. Like yeah. I, I feel kind of like it's, you're going to have a good laugh in the book in part because the stuff is crazy, but it also because I like to, you know, I know how to fuck yeah. these people. And but I, I think do that's what's missing. Them. That's what's missing is us, the absurdity of what we're watching happen here. The every day, it just gets crazier and crazier. And yeah. one thing that's missing is laughing. And the truth is you and I both have followed this whole cabal and all of that. The thing they hate the most is to be laughed at. And when I'm reading, because your examples are so great. I mean, the amount of work you did on this is unbelievable. But you lay it out in such a way that it's it's funnier because everyone knows it's true. Nobody says it. Nobody lays it out the way it is. And it's funny because I always thought, you know, in Dante's Inferno, hypocrisy is like the worst, <laughs> worst thing. They like the walk in circles for life with like a lead leg lined cloak <laughs> forever <laughs> you know it looks like nice on the outside and inside right, right. it and uh, i was reading it and i thought oh my god it's because people don't believe a lot of the stuff so the best thing that you did instead of making it a funny book was you made it a factual book that makes everything look so absurd so yeah. i'm gonna ask you about certain things and i i want your opinion on them because Okay. I, I am not joking. Everywhere I go, I've spoken in front of people for months. I go to meet the Patriots in real life. I hand them the, the Constitution. I tell them to read the Bill of Rights, all that. And um, I tell people they have to go out and start their own businesses, do this and that. Get out of the Matrix. Get out of it. You don't have to be in it. The first thing I want I want to ask you about is you have a great piece in there, because just this week we heard that this insane administration is hiring 80,000 IRS workers to track $600 transactions or higher on our private bank accounts. And a lot of people don't understand the Federal Reserve and the IRS, and you have a very uh, succinct piece about taxation. So tell me about that. Yeah, uh, first of all, it's it's preposterous that that, it, oh, part of what Biden said was, we need to do this so that we can keep track of millionaires and billionaires not paying their taxes. Really? $600? You're going to go to $600? This is about billionaires and $600? Like, stop. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's absurd on its face. But I think that what the, the, the point that a lot of people don't 
understand. And and to be fair, to be clear, I didn't understand it. I didn't know about this. That doesn't get taught really in school uh, until you, you have to sort of figure this out on, on your own. The creation of the Federal Reserve Bank, which is a privately owned bank, despite the what everyone says about, oh, it's government, it's a government, it's quad. I heard when I was growing up, it's quasi-government. No, it's not. It's private. It's a privately owned bank owned by a consortium of other banks. Most of them are in Europe and it's European families and the banking elite. Yeah, people. Bank of International Settlements, the, the right. World it's Economic Forum. Right. Managed by the Bank for International S Settlements in Basel, Switzerland. Yeah. So the Fed started, it was on the drawing board in 1910, uh, but it came into existence in 1913. Do you know what else came into existence in 1913? And not coincidentally, the Internal Revenue Service as well. So I find that to be rather fascinating. So this is the scam laid out in sort of an easy way. The government of the United States could have the Treasury print all their money at for free and not owe any money on it. But this group of bankers back in 1910 went to Jekyll Island off the coast of Georgia uh, in a book, you can read G. Edward Griffin's book, uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, explaining how this all went. And they came together with an idea that they were going to start a central bank in America. Now, there had been a central bank in America before, but it was broken up because you know what it did? It screwed up everything. Was that Andrew Jackson? So they didn't Jackson? like central banks. Was it Andrew Jackson that broke mm -hmm. up the original? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, don't and forget, uh, Trump had Andrew Jackson behind him. In the yeah, I did. Yeah, he did. Um Fed, the Fed decides, no, 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 we're going to convince Woodrow Wilson, who was one of the worst presidents ever, co totally corrupt. We're going to get him on board, however, however they did it, you know, maybe a little Epstein, you know, type stuff. I don't know. But, but they got him on board with this to create the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve will create the money and give it to the government at interest. They'll loan it to them at interest. So, if, if they're going to borrow money, they have, to, they have to borrow it from the Fed, who prints it out of thin air, right. and loans it to the U.S. government at interest. Now, the Internal Revenue Service's job is to go around and get all of us to pay taxes to them, and then that money is used by the U.S. government to pay the interest on the money that they borrowed. <laughs> so they're like, the, the, the Fed says, We'll loan you this money, but it's going to cost you a little bit of a little bit of a couple points on it, right? right? The government says that's no problem because what we're going to do is we're going to tell all the people you owe taxes, and then we'll take all that money, and that money will pay you off. And they go fine. We don't care. We don't care where the money comes from as long as we get it. Right. And that is how that's the mutually parasitic relationship between the Federal Reserve and the Internal Revenue Service, which is the reason why we pay taxes. Now that that money. If people say, I pay my taxes to pay you, officer, you know, some cop who's doing something awful. Right. Not really. Your taxes are going to pay the Fed back. Right. That's really kind of what it's going for. I mean, right. theoretically, maybe you're paying part of that dude's salary or whatever. But, but the reality is that most of that money goes to the Fed. So we're run by bankers. Bankers run the world. Right. And they're, it, it, as far as the eight tentacles of my octopus, when I wrote that right. book, the banking tentacle is the most dangerous. Right. And nobody knows that. They just think, oh, it's the boring one that does the money. And then we got to go in there and we have to look, balance our checkbooks and all that stuff. Right. They keep it extra boring just so you don't get interested in it. And right. then they use that 
your lack of understanding or all of our lack, collective lack of understanding about how it works to get you into a bind where you're always kind of on that treadmill working to pay them back for something. You're getting a credit card, you get a right. car payment, you got, you know, whatever. That's slavery. Yeah, that's slavery. That's slavery. That it, yeah. And as they say, the, the sl- it works much better when the slaves don't know they're, they're slaves. Right. And that's exactly. kind of where we are. That's <laughs> where we are. I, and this is what I love about you is as you write, you're figuring it out. And so it's easier for the reader to figure it out because I know a lot of these facts, but when you're reading it, it just sounds so like, are we really this? Because they think we're stupid, but we're acting stupid. Like yeah. we take no responsibility in America. We have taken our freedom for granted. So that jumps me to another topic that you discuss, which is, um, this kind of Marxist uh, socialist agenda that has come through as wokeism that is dividing our country. It's like an old, <laughs> it's been done many times, but they've done dumbed down our education system and everyone so much that it's like, nobody knows history. What, what do you have on? I mean, like people, cause I'm watching what's going on right now. I feel like it's Mao, Stalin and, and Hitler's same book. Yeah, like it's all been done before, but we yeah. are so dumbed down. And you talk about that, too, where it's like, hello, this is not new news. No, but you know what is a, a, a what is new? Well, not new necessarily, but new within the last 50 years or so is is the Saul Alinsky playbook. Right. And we'll that is that. what a lot of these leftist morons are are falling into. Right. So Saul Alinsky, who. um dedicated he, he wrote a book called rules for radicals in the beginning of the book in the dedication he dedicates the book to lucifer i'm not even kidding <laughs> I know. no Hillary i know and describes solinsky as one of the most influential people in her life okay so I know. there's that but but this is he breaks it down into eight levels of control that must be obtained before they're able to create a social state and uh i i'm going to read these off And I think people are going to have like a mental checklist in their mind. They're going to go, oh my God, they're going after all of these at the same time. Rule, the first and most important uh, component of control that must be obtained before before you're able to create a social state is control of the healthcare system. If you control healthcare, you control the people. Number two is poverty. Increase the poverty levels as high as possible. Poor people are easy to control and will not fight back if you are providing everything for them to live. We're watching this in conjunction with COVID, universal basic income, they're talking about this, how will I live? Government's gonna give you unemployment, blah, blah, blah. This is part of that. Third one is debt. Increase the debt to uh, unsustainable levels. That way you are able to increase taxes and this will produce more poverty because that's what they want. They want poor people, more poor people because poor people are easier to control than rich people. It just makes sense. Right. The fourth thing is gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way you're able to create a police state. Number uh, six is, or maybe it was five. Uh, number five is welfare. Take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income. Uh, number six is education. 
take control of what people read and listen to, take control of what children learn in school. I would suggest that is absolutely <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. The seventh one is religion. Remove the belief in God from the government and the schools. And the last thing that you need to do to create a social welfare state is class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and poor, and it will cause more discontent and they will be easier to control through taxation that way. So, so that is... That's how Saul Alinsky plan, uh, uh, had the plan to do that. And Saul Alinsky didn't live 300 years ago or anything like this. I mean, he was there in the 60s. Okay, right. this, is, this was the guy that was, that was talking about all this stuff in a real way. And, and the people that followed his plan were people like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. They held right. him in high regard. You know, right, they, the Weather they, Underground. He was their hero, it. Chicago, the Chicago Syndicate. What's interesting when you say that is I talk a lot about um, the UN. Uh, the loosest oh. trust at the UN, Alice Bailey, which is the 10 steps to the new world order is basically the exact same thing, also dedicated to Lucifer. And uh, I've been lately talking quite a bit about maybe Germany lost the <laughs> war, but the Nazis did not. Uh, David right. Rockefeller, Kissinger, Bush Sr. Uh, brought them all here in Operation Paperclip and High Jump and uh, started the Fourth Reich uh, down there, right down the street from me in New York City. Yep. And we've been totally deceived about that. And that's something that you've really dug into, which is, um, you know, it, people don't want to believe it, but there is a cabal of families that yeah. still to this day, though I think that they're being chipped away at, um, do control everything. And um, the scary part is this Rockefeller family uh, had so much to do with everything in uh, medicine and pharma and all of that. But now we're dealing with, uh, which also connects to Bill Gates and Hillary and, and Zuckerberg and all of them. So now we're in this. Um, you're right. To me, I've, I've looked at COVID from the beginning as if they totally decimate the middle class worldwide, then nobody's going to fight back. Nobody. It's, it's up to the middle class to fight back. But what I'm seeing right now is uh, a lot of people, uh, sadly enough, um, following orders. What do you make of that? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a trait that will get, get us into a whole lot of trouble. We know what the order followers did, the atrocities that were committed. And as right. they say, it's uh, the world is, you know, the, the biggest problems in the world are, are, are committed by the people that are just following orders. And that's, that's, I mean, Nure, during Nuremberg, that was not a good enough excuse that would, right. that would not get you um, an, a free pass from the uh from the gallows that right. would they'd say well i was just following orders and my bosses said to do that and they'd say well you shouldn't have been following orders then next and they just took them all out back and shot them right so th that's not going to work as as an excuse and um it's become you know i think that we like as a society like we're good people right we're, right. we're not we're not out trying to 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 screw with anybody if someone Someone comes to us genuinely and says, listen, we've got this unbelievable pandemic. It's sweeping the world. And the best thing for us to do is to limit our interaction with everybody. If we do that, it'll slow the spread. And we're going to need you to stay in your houses for two weeks. And we know we don't, we know it's a huge ask, but this is a big deal. Will you please do it? I think the vast majority of people would say, fine, I'll do that. I'm a good person. I don't want to be, right. I don't want to contribute to the problem. This may or may not be helpful, but I'll do it. Right. 
Now we all knew it was never going to end there, but, but the normies go, okay, fine. I'll do that. I'm a good person. And then it just becomes a series of moving the goalposts incrementally. And if you do it slowly, as David Icke calls it, the totalitarian tiptoe, you know, you don't go from A to Z exactly. all at once. You go from A to B and B to C and C to D. You just make these little moves. You right. move it out just a little bit each time. If you do that, the polite and nice and decent people will still continue to justify it to themselves. Well, okay, fine. Yeah, I know it was supposed to be two weeks, but now it's going to be a third week. Ugh, whatever. And they do it. Right. And once you get them trained into that mentality of just sort of going along with it and just making little bits of, you know, small compromises with your soul, right? you eventually get them to a point where they have no soul remaining, that right. they've compromised themselves. And then an interesting thing happens. Then at that point, in order to not feel stupid about how they've sold themselves out and how they've totally compromised their soul, they then have to fully embrace it. Right. And say, no, you guys out there are the problem. We're doing it right. They have to convince themselves that they're doing it right. They would, at that point, they would rather be in the majority than be right. Right. That's the that's uh, Mark Twain. It's easier to con somebody than to convince them they've been conned. And right. uh, that's, I think, where we are now. And what you're saying is so interesting to me because I talk uh, a lot about people that are good people don't want to believe that there are evil people out there, yeah. that there are sociopaths and psychopaths and this tech oligarchy that is running our country right now. It's not for the people, by the people. It's got nothing to do with our constitution. It's like the monarchy, even worse. I feel like we're in the French Revolution right now with like these people. Totally. You know, you and I both have talked many times about um, the city of London, the Vatican, the DC, this, this cabal. But um, the crazy part is, I always say to people, well, you don't think about evil, but uh, six million people might have died in the Holocaust, but a million people worked at the camps. Who do you think ran the camps? People that went home to their families and mm -hmm. went the next day and they were trying to, you know, what was why is anything different right now? I, I We have so much coming out, so much evidence. And now we're dealing with uh, full on Orwell censorship. What what happened? What happened to the, to the first we amendment? Learn. We didn't learn from our mistakes. I mean, we collectively as humanity, we, right. uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another thing that, that happened. <laughs> and I put this in the book too. There is a, there is a thing called Biderman's chart of coercion. And this is a really devious thing. This explains how stress manipulation is used to torture prisoners of war, right. as well as domestic abuse victims. It's the same tactic um, that they've been using on us during COVID as a manipulation right. tool. So they, they, this is how you do it. The, these are the steps that you use. First is isolation. Deprive victims of all social support of their ability to resist and make them dependent. Okay. <laughs> Check. Uh, monopolization of perception is the second thing that fixes attention upon uh, the immediate predictum predicament, which is uh, it's like that fight or flight thing. Uh, I, we're all going to die right now. You have to make a decision right now. So you, you sacrifice long-term thinking uh, for short-term thinking, because if you don't get it right, right now, there is no long-term you're dead. Right. So, so they, they, they monopolize, they call it the monopolization, uh, monopolization of perception, right? So they, they want you to, uh, 
they punish any independence, they restrict your movement, and uh, and they give you in this particular case monotonous food as a as a as a torture technique. All right, this is they move, then move to the third step, which is humiliation and degradation. This makes resistant more. Uh, resistance more costly than compliance. This is where we're getting into right. part of this with the, with the vaccine passports right. and things like that. Personal hygiene is prevented, demeaning punishments, insults and taunts, and then the denial of privacy. <laughs> so we're starting to, we're, we're moving into this stage, right? Then after you've gone through all this, you get to the exhaustion stage that weakens physical and mental ability to resist sleep deprivation, semi-starvation, prolonged interrogation, or in this case, constant and never ending fear from your television about a virus that's going to kill everybody, right? So that gets you exhausted. Then come the threats, create anxiety and despair, outline costs of non-compliance, meaning if you don't do this, if you don't get the shot, if you don't get your kids the shot, we're not letting them in school. If you don't get the shot, you're not going to the concert. You're not getting on this airplane. You're not. So they'll, they'll use those threats um, to create anxiety and despair for people. Then the fifth step is occasional indulgences, right? Positive motivation for compliance, uh, they will adjustment. They'll make adjustments to the deprivation. You know, the reward for partial compliance and things like that. Okay, okay. You you've gotten the shots. Now you've got the vaccine passport. Now you can come into the pub. Now you can sit down there. But those dirty anti-vaxxers, they can't come in, right? right. Then the fourth or the the, fi the final thing is demonstrating omnipotence, which is suggest futility of resistance. You should say there's no point in even fighting back. It's over for you. Um, you have to show complete control over the victim's fate. So if you do these six things, you can control everybody. You can control the population. And then, and then you get into that, um, Yuri Bezmanov video where he was an ex KJB KGB. Defector. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He sat down with Ed Griffin and they talk about, um, about how you transform and, and, uh, terrorize society. And, and what Bezmanov said was, if you subject people to fear for 60 days straight, just nonstop, never ending fear right. messages. And then after that, the 61st day, you go to that same person and you say, okay, here's all the information I've got that contradicts what I just said for the last 60 days. It's all here. Right. Go look through it. It was all a big scam. They won't they won't look through it. They want, they are now permanently broken right. after that 60 days. So what he said was that if you really want to do a number on society, you infiltrate the, the schools, the institutions and universities, and that takes about 40 years. That's of course where we are right now from the interviews he was giving <laughs> with Ed. Um, and then you, and, and you subject people to constant and never ending fear. And once you do that, then you break them. And right. that's, I would suggest that's where we are. We've been broken. I mean, 2020, the fear porn on nightly news every day, cases are up, cases are up. That's why they want cases that, you know, this is right. why they're doing the case. It's a case demic, right? Not a, not a, right. not a. But we also know that, um, you know, that the PCR test was wrong, that it was, Garbage. it was a fraud, it was a fraud. And, but here's the thing that bothers me the most. 
uh, so much has come out. You know, even this week we find, or last week, we find out that the CDC is saying that if you were vaccinated within 14 days, that you're considered unvaccinated. So yes. anything that happens, death or side effects in that 14 day period, the, the, but the people have to be complicit. The coroners, the, the doctors, the nurses have to be complicit in writing down unvaccinated when they know darn well that you were vaccinated. So yeah. it's half of our, so that's the other thing. What about, you talk about it a lot, but these people are supposed to be, I thought they took an oath to, to, to humanity and we have them playing along, torturing people. This is mental, emotional, and psychological torture to make it that it's the unvaccinated and it's not true. Yeah, it's become a, it's, it's no longer about science. It's about compliance and right. it's, and it's become a religion. Yeah. The, the religion of COVID, you know, disrespectful to the other religions too, by the way, but, but sharing some of the s similar um, characteristics. And one of the things you, like you mentioned, like you, I, I'll, I'll, I was talking to my wife about this. I was, I was saying, listen, just think of it. Like I ask you to just put on your logical hat for a second and just say, try and walk, you know, walk through this with me. The CDC is saying, that after you get your vaccine shot right now, let's say I get a shot right now, I'm vaccinated, right? No, no, you're not. You're not vaccinated for two more weeks. You go, why? What does that mean? You know, like, why would they do that? Well, the answer to why they would do it is you already explained, which is the majority of deaths that happen from the vaccine happen within the first 14 days. Right. If there is a huge wave of people that are taking the vaccine and then dying within the first 14 days, and there are, right. that information is going to be a real problem if that gets out. So we're going to manipulate the perception of this by playing a game with the accounting of it. We're going to say you don't count as vaccinated until that 15th day. Therefore, we've gotten you through the rough patch. Right. Or if you die during the rough patch, you're, you're, you're an unvac, you're two things. You're technically unvaccinated right. and you died from COVID. Right. Right. So that's what they're going to say on the death That's what the Delta variant is to me. If you ask exactly. me, uh, it's a total manipulation. Now, the yeah. other part of that, what you're saying right now is then they lie about it, but, but the, but the media is totally complicit because you yes. can find this information um, a friend of mine, Tom Renz, he put out a whole thing from Medicare just in New York of all the deaths and side effects and everything within the 14 days that are being called unvaccinated. You can find this information if you want. People don't even want to look. I had a big situation with a good friend of mine who's uh, divorced. The wife is fully brainwashed. To get the, the kid's 16 years old. He has to get the vaccine, whatever. The father, no way. He's not getting it. There's this myocarditis. He's a healthy young kid. It's a 99% chance. So it's also dividing families. It's dividing all of this. And the worst part is the doctors are complicit. I, I, this yep. is the shocking part is both the media and the medical industrial complex are in on it. Yeah, they are. And it's really disgusting. There's a lot of money at stake here. But I think that, you know, my, my work early on pre-COVID on the medical industry in the Octopus book and also right. in controlled Pharma. demolition too, to an yeah. extent, talking about the pharmaceutical industry. And there are, I mean, I don't think many people 
you knew, I know your audience knows my audience knows, but the, right. the, the normie group out there, they have no idea how dirty the pharmaceutical industry is. Right. Like they, they have no idea. Every one of these vaccine manufacturers are convicted felons, right? They've all been convicted in court of, of fraud, including illegal kickbacks, um, uh, poor manufacturing, bribery, uh, off, uh, off-label promotions, everything, yeah. Medicare fraud, you name it. They've, they've been fined for it. Pfizer has paid the largest fine in American corporate history for their reckless behavior with Bextra, with illegal kickbacks and things like that. And, 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 and uh, uh, Vioxx as well. In right. fact, the joke is the HPV vaccine that they that Pfizer's been giving out that right. the HPV acronym, right. which is human pamploma virus in reality, right. the joking term for it inside of Pfizer is helping to pay for Vioxx. Oh my God. I don't, and I don't doubt it, but that also links back to your original book about the Rockefellers and the, the Gates Foundation and all these yeah. people that have presented themselves as heroes, when the truth is you and I both have talked about the Good Club and uh, all these people that were obsessed with um, depopulation because we're yeah. overpopulated when we both know that that's not true. And uh, these people have taken it upon themselves. So a lot of times when people are like, well, why is it taking so long? And isn't there like, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that if I can't prove it, I'm not gonna say it, but there is, a oligarchy. There is a group of people that I believe fully and completely despise humanity and think that we're below them and that they are. One time Donald Trump was in an interview and you're not you're a very neutral guy. You're not a Trump mm -hmm. guy. You're not uh, you're certainly not a Biden guy, no, but no. you've always been very middle of the line. You're not a political guy. You're, you're a facts guy. Right. But um, what's going on now is that I feel like, like you said before about the woke stuff, uh, the divide and conquer, you know, the George Soros color revolution, you've talked about it too, where they, they throw all these different groups at each other, make you convinced that your neighbors and your local community, people are your enemies, hiding them, the, the puppet masters, I call them. Yeah. And uh, we are at a point where people, I really believe fully, uh, it just from what I'm seeing geopolitically, that we are in an international uh, war basically that has been going on for a while against them. I think that this is a, um, that these, this group of people and you and I talk about it. Most people don't know the Bilderberg Davos, Klaus Schwab, uh, all these people, obviously they own everything. Um, the UN was infiltrated also by the CCP because now every committee, <laughs> the UN is run by the CCP. So we're at a point, um, what I was going to say is that Trump said in an interview, there's a group of people that have all the money, all the power, all the control, and the humanity basically has no idea who they are. Do you feel like people are starting to wake up and be like, wait a minute, it's not our oh, neighbors. Not, a, not enough people are starting to wake up. It, it, it's because something, when you, when you start talking about one world governments right. and depopulation agendas, a lot of people just roll their eyes and go, get out of here with that conspiracy theory stuff. And it's like, hang on a second. Right. They write about this. I, you're, yes, I can say it. I can talk about it. But 
a lot of times I'm talking about the stuff that they are writing about and they're writing about the world is overpopulated, that nine out of 10 people have got to go that, you know, that if only we could do, you know, we, if we do a good job with our vaccine programs, right. we can lower that number by 10 or 15%. You know, when Bill Gates is talking about that, yep. he's they're They're talking about if we do a good job with vaccines, then that number, meaning total world population goes down. I asked a very logical question. If doing a good job with vaccines was the plan, shouldn't that number be going up? Right. Shouldn't the right. plan be to keep more people alive? Right. That would be the plan if you were trying to keep more people alive. Right. We don't have to speculate about what these people want. They tell you, they right. write about it. They're very upfront about it. The World Economic Forum, that's Davos, that's the Davos group. Right. When people, when you hear like in January, oh, 500 private planes descend in Davos for the World Economic so so uh, Forum's uh, <laughs> summit on climate initiative or whatever. Right. That's the group. That They're not the only group, but that is the main group that's running this. That's right. the Bill Gates Foundation. Uh, right. Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates has partnered up with all these people. These yeah. are the globalists that you hear about. You can go to weforum.org, the World Economic <laughs> Forum's site, and right. pull up all this. It's not right. They're not, we're not making it up. Theorizing about this conspiracy. Yeah. We're analyzing an actual one. It's how yeah. it, there is a, a massive multinational worldwide global gigantic conspiracy happening right in front of our faces. And people are going, that's not happening. You're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, what are you looking at? It's right there. Right. We've got all of these organizations coming out and saying, you know, we're all, we're all going to die unless we <laughs> go car car carbon neutral and oh everything. You're God. like, what? <laughs> so, so it, I know that people are going, well, yeah, I get it that COVID's fake, but global warming's totally real. Oh my God. I got news for you. It Way ain't real worse. either. There's Way a gigantic worse. agenda in there too. So but they, um, they both were part of that that 2008 meeting with Soros and Rockefeller and Gates and Oprah and Bloomberg, the good club at, at the Rockefeller Institute. Their two things were a virus, a pandemic, a virus and climate change, both yeah. geared towards total world control over two yes. things that they could manipulate. And, you know, here's here's where we are now. I feel like half, not half. I don't even know if it's half. Enough people are awake. I do believe uh, worldwide, because we're seeing all these marches all over the planet. Unfortunately, America seems to be more asleep. But what I will tell you is the best part about your book is you lay out legitimate solutions. And we can all see we are in some kind of, oh, I just saw V for Vendetta. And I'm like, what? This is what's happening. <laughs> Everyone's got to see that. And, and then the, the, right before it, I saw Defiance. And I'm like, oh, God, we're going to have to go move it. We're going to have to go build a whole life inside the forest where they can't find I mean, us so we can function, you know, and both of them it seems like it, you know, a movie. But uh, the one thing is you, you, you have a lot of solutions that really make sense. Um, I, I know you have a life that you like, so you don't want to go out there and be like the leader of, the, <laughs> of the movement. Who knows? you never know you're young, but uh, you have a lot of solutions in there that really are legitimate. And I'm, I'm not even hearing that from anyone. And when I was reading your book, I thought at the very end, oh, my God, this is like common sense solutions. Nobody's going there. And uh, I, I want to go through that because I think a lot of people have lost hope. Like you and I, we, we were on the Union of the Unwanted like two years ago being like, oh, my God. I remember like Burmese was on the big tree and everyone was in and Sam 
And everyone's like, oh my, they're going to do this. They're going to pull it off. They're going to push the one world order on America and to make a seat of sovereignty. And we're this close two years later, but yeah. you have solutions. So uh, for my audience that is freaking out and saying, why isn't anyone doing anything? Da, da, da. Who needs to do something? Us. <laughs> we need to do something. And right. I'm going to read a quote from Howard Zinn. I think that I put this at the beginning of the chapter. I'm talking about the solutions. That is civil disobedience is not our problem. Our problem is civil obedience. Our problem is that people all over the world have obeyed the dictates of leaders and millions have been killed because of this obedience. Our problem is that people are obedient all over the world in the face of poverty and starvation and stupidity and war and cruelty. Our problem is that people are obedient while the jails are full of petty thieves and the grand thieves are running the country. But that's our problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we have got to do a better job of saying no more. Uh, we've, we have been conditioned to, to see ourselves as powerless, to see ourselves as a bunch of ants, you know, in the, the bugs life, you've got right, the grasshoppers exactly. and the ants, right? Right. But what the grasshoppers don't want the bugs to ever figure, the ants to ever figure out is that we have the numbers, you know, and if we ever realize that it's over for them. Right. So what do we do? You know, what do well-meaning people do to, to, to create change? Well, you no longer follow orders. You, you, you simply do not do that because following orders is what is, winds up being, um, Slavery. an excuse to commit atrocities. Right. A lot of people have done this uh, over the past. And then what, what I, I, brought an example out of Iceland and what oh, right. Iceland did after right. the 2008 banking crisis. The citizens forced the removal of the prime minister and the entire government. And two, late, two years later, the prime minister was indicted on criminal charges, as were over 200 bankers that caused the financial crisis. All three of the CEOs of the major banks were arrested right. and the others literally fled the country. The bank was nationalized. And what Iceland did is they went around, they said, we're going to choose 25 citizens with no political affiliation. They chose these people. They drafted a new con uh, constitution that does not allow for predatory loans from multinational banks. Then they wiped out the debt of anybody with a home loan exceeding 110% of the value of their home. This group of 25 people that had no, they literally just went there and go, you, 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 and they go, yeah, but I'm unqualified. You're better than the idiots we've had in here before. Right. So come on, you know, it's like any moron, you know, they just picked 25 people. I don't know if they're actually morons. They didn't sound like it because they, they did a really good job. They, um, they you didn't won't believe this. I just did a show with Patrick Byrne and he said the same exact thing. <laughs> he said, he That's said funny. we should just pick people that have nothing to do with politics. I was, he's like, I, I think he brought a by somebody said like, we, we got to get rid of all these people. Let's just pick normal people by lottery. Be like, right. here, you go in for two years. <laughs> you you, you get drafted into the government, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, because a lot of the, the, the people say, well, you know, these, these politicians, they know how to navigate Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's, that's not the a good problem. Thing. They know how to navigate Washington, D.C. They say that like that's a good thing. Right. It's not a good thing. <laughs> you no. know, you kind of it's a broken down system. But I think that I think that one thing that that we really need to get clear about is that 
we've got problems with the with the media. We've got problems with the government. We have problems with uh, the pharmaceutical industry and, and all of these. This, these are all very real. However, we have to take some responsibility ourselves. You know, we have to be we have to hold ourselves accountable and we have to be better than this. And part of that comes with us saying enough, enough already to these people, to these laws, to these rules that are put in place that don't benefit us. They only benefit them. We have to remember it is our duty to not comply with unjust laws, right. you know, and, and, and all of this stuff, our system works. It seems like it's a well-oiled machine. All that works because we have are in agreement that we're going to participate in it. Right. But if we decide that there's a component of it that we don't agree with, and we're not going to participate in it any longer, like say bailing out all the banks, we just say, no, no. We're not, we're, we're not authorizing that. We're not doing that. And any of our politicians that agree to do that, that vote that way, we're going to primary your ass and we're going to get you out of here in the next, right. or next election round, you're out. Or, or we're, going to, we're going to protest and we're going to do something. We're going to make ourselves heard and we're going to make them reverse their decisions on these things. We have that power. Yeah. But we're being taught that we don't. We're being intentionally divided into smaller and smaller right. groups. And so- I, I think that if we were to, and I know this might be a fantasy, but if we were to come together, I could, we could say to the people we disagree with, the red team, the blue team, where let's say we're fighting with each other, I'll go, we can go back to having this fight six months from now. Right. Let's come together and prioritize the people above us, the, the predator class above us. Right. Let's take care of them first, because I think they're probably causing all this pain. Right. Let's take care of them, and then we can go f- argue about pronouns right. later. You know what right. I mean? Right. But, well, but it's we've still got to... those people that are funding and, and fomenting and all of that, 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 because nobody really cares who you sleep with or, and, and we're so past the point. And and the worst part is I have a, a lot of friends in New York city that like critical race theory, black lives matter, defund the police. And, and they're in the black community and they're like, this is hurting us. Like this doesn't yeah. make any sense. And what happened this week is uh, there was a March with anti-vaxxers and Trumpsters and Black Lives Matter all together being like, we don't want to be segregated. We don't want to show our papers. It's not up to you. And uh, that was, I was like, well, this is not, this was not in their playbook. You know, like I always think like Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, all this. And then I think like people waking up was not in their, not in their (laughs) their plans. They need us to stay asleep, but they might've woken up a sleeping giant in, in America because there's a lot of people out there that are seeing through this. And once you wake up to it, you don't go back to sleep. Nope. You just can't, you can't, you can't do it. So, so if there's, so if the people that are, that are listening to this, and if you're in, in, I have a bit of advice and it's only advice because I've done it the wrong way. Um, <laughs> when you, when you, you've got this information, you want to talk to people about it, right? You want to talk, you want to engage your mom or dad or friends or whatever, don't do it the way I've done it, which is making it a monologue where I just verbally unload on someone and say, hey, have a seat here. Let me tell you all about COVID. Let me tell you all about 9-11. Let me tell you about all that. They just go, uh-oh. Like they're not mentally accepting this information. If you want to talk to someone in your life about this stuff that might not totally see it your way, start asking them questions. Just start saying, hey, man, help me to understand this whole thing that I'm seeing here about the, the vaccine passport. It seems kind of unhinged to me. What do you think about it? How do you think they're going to 
mandate this? How do you think they're going to enforce this? This is totally, this goes against the constitution. What do you think about this? It's like, it co- totally goes against the constitution. Start, ask them the question, make it a mono, make it a, a, a dialogue instead of a monologue, right. you know, get them talking about it. If you can do that, then they'll put their guards down and they'll engage with you and you can get somewhere with them. If you say, if you know that there's someone in your life that doesn't agree with you and you just want to sit them down and just verbally unload like a fire hose all over them, you lose. It's not going to work. They're not going to, they're going to tune you out. And and it's all about trying to get people to hear you. So however you can, if you need to be funny about it, be funny about it. If you want to, you know, I personally have found that it's about timing too. It's about trying to hit people at the right time and, or, or planting a seed and saying, Hmm, you know, like, what do you make of that statement? That seems a little backwards or something. And just kind of leaving it like that and walking away and getting them thinking about that a lot. You would be surprised how many people have not thought about any of this. No, they just, yeah, I saw Pelosi two day, yesterday. She said, we have to get Barack Obama's agenda passed. And I thought, what? <laughs> is Barack Obama, is, is she writing the agenda? Wait, wait, she wait. Know what decade it is. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have to say, um, that's the best, the best advice you can give is like people want to go out there and shake people. And I keep saying, and people also want to, there are certain people that will never be convinced. They, no. they just can't. They just no. can't. And it's also about like-minded folks. That's why I always loved um, coming on Union of the Unwanted because we were all unwanted. And we were all unwanted before the current level of <laughs> Yeah. Because the current um, situation that's going on is there are really reputable doctors and, and um, professors and scientists and all these people, their lives have been destroyed for honestly trying to tell the truth. Yeah. And Here's, I think, I think what's really frustrating a lot of people, and I've had you on a while, but I, I want to say this. We haven't seen any justice. You know, we have Dr. Fauci, who for 60 years, apparently, but is the highest paid person in the government, which should alarm people. But anyway, he's done um, all these all this uh, work with the CCP military bioweapons lab in Wuhan to create bioweapons to use against humanity. And that should be treason. You know, yeah. we have Millie up there being like, yeah, I called the CCP and said, you know, don't worry if Donald Trump wants to do anything, I'll let you know. Treason. (laughs) We have we have all of this. We obviously the Clintons, you and I, a whole nother show we could do on Epstein and Gates and all of them. I I think the problem is people don't see any justice. And and I think that's what's most heartbreaking to people that are awake and love humanity is we're seeing them get away with it and nothing's being done in people's eyes. It's a really good point you bring up too, because that has a very demoralizing effect right. when you see somebody that is guilty as hell right. getting, uh, getting, you know, Accolades. You, you, you see the, the, the memes of George Bush and Barack Obama, uh, you know, all arm in arm and everything. Yeah. And, and, and then the picture of Julian Assange in prison. Right. You know? And you know that like the, the good guys are in prison, the right. bad guys are walking around but that's part of it. That's part of the cycle. Psycholo- that's part of the, right. that's part of the trauma right. that, that they inflict on us. It's part of that Biderman's chart of coercion right. too, where you, you get people hopeless right. where they just go, what's the point? I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to go I- I explain and show how the government's involved in all this stuff. And I'm going to lay it all out and show it to them. And then what are they going to do? They're going to arrest me. Right. 
Right. And everybody's going to laugh at me instead, right. you know? And so if you get people like down, you know, feeling like there's no hope that there's no justice, then, uh, well, then a couple things can happen. People can take justice into their own hands. Right. They say, well, you're not going to, you're not going to do anything to that guy. So maybe I'm going to, you know, and then you get into a, a weird situation. Well, where that's, it's like, okay, uh, that's a well. scary place where I think yeah. we, we're kind of near. Yeah, we are kind know? of near. Because and I look at one six, because you know, you've done a lot on false flags as well. I look yeah. at one six and what I see really that happened there is we have in our constitution, the right to form militias when our government has become so tyrannical that it's no longer by the people for the people when it's like this oligarchy technocrat nightmare that it is right now in DC, mm -hmm. we actually have the constitutional right to replace that government. And I feel like one six was a, don't you dare fight back or we'll throw you in the gulag. <laughs> you got it. You know, so people that's that's I I, I have a, a fear also with all these people coming in. We know Obama and that they've they've this has been a ticking time bomb. They let all those people out of prison during uh COVID. You know, I, I don't want it to go there, but you know, they're calling all the patriots and people that love America domestic terrorists, where most of us are armed. And at the end of the day, we're not doing that. But it's like they, they want they want some kind of civil war. And we really have to identify who they are to make that not happen. The state has a monopoly on violence. They know how to use violence. They, they're very good at it. That's what they that's the tool that they have. So if you bring violence to them, they know how to deal with that. Right. They don't know how to deal with civil disobedience. They don't know how to deal with people saying, I will not comply right. with unjust orders. They don't know how to what to do when nobody will listen to them. If you want to fight them, they're there for the fight. They've right. got all the tools. They've got the psychopaths and they've got the, 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 the steroided out cops that are all jazzed up and looking for a fight. You've got, look, just look at Australian police. They want, they want it, right? right. You don't, that's a Sun Tzu art of war thing. Right. Do not attack your enemy. That is, that is their strength with your, you know, that, that is, that's tactically uh, ridiculous for us to, right. to, to do that. So you don't want to bring violence right. to a fight against the state because they've got more violence than you have and they know how to use it and they run the legal system too. So they, right. they will make sure that nothing happens to them for using the violence. You just have to outsmart them. You have to be strategic. You have to, um, you have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to get large amounts of people to hear your message and know what to do with it. And when, you know, when, when collectively they say you need a vaccine passport to get into this restaurant and everyone says then nobody is going to eat at a restaurant starting <laughs> right now. And then the restaurants go to the government. Hey man, what are you doing to us? That's what happened in Let Moscow. Let them fight it. You know right. what I mean? Right. right. So we, we use our leverage however we can. We've got the numbers. Right. Be strategic about it. Let's use that. We have vote with your dollars, vote with your attention, vote with your energy, all that stuff. I mean, right. we can make some decisions. It, it, and, and consequentially, if you've got a store in your neighborhood that says, we respect your right to choose, whatever. Come on in. We're not checking anything. Go support them. Right, exactly. Go say thank you for being a decent, normal human being. Yeah. You, I can't believe I'm giving you credit for being all these things, but here we are. <laughs> you know, you're in this situation. I'm going to give you a gold star for being a decent a human, human being. Right. Wow, but Charlie. So show, we can. We do have this power. 
We're yeah. being told that we don't, we're being shown that we don't because it's desperation time. They need us to believe that we can't do anything about it. But the truth is we can, it's right. not over yet. We can change this. We can turn it around. And when we do, Oh my God, the empowerment movement it can change the whole world. It, it can, can really, it really can. change the whole world. But yeah, the first I feel step like is, is, is getting, getting honest with ourselves and saying, all right, I'm in, I'm part of this. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to be a good person while I do it. I'm not going to go punch somebody in the face or anything like that. I'm just going to be strategic and, and come at this with love and compassion. And I'm going to wake these people up. And I'm also going to recognize that there's a, a large segment of the population that aren't bad people. Right. They just aren't thinking, they aren't paying attention. And right. you kind of need to, well, at this point, you kind of need to go around them. Either they need to wake up or they need to get out of the way because right. they're going to, they're going to get themselves hurt. So we're the majority. So, I believe we're the majority. We just yeah, we have are. to unite. Like you said, put away your, your petty differences for now. Let's save America as Americans first. Yeah. Loving our yeah country. You go back to fighting with those people <laughs> later. I promise you they'll be around. You can right, right. want to go have the conversation. We can do it. If you want to go make fun of them for, for everything that they're doing, I'll probably be with you there with you doing right. it. But for now, everybody come together on this one. Right. And, uh, and, and if we do, what a revolution. Right? I know the greatest ever, uh, Charlie, you are, so, <laughs> I would, I would love for you to run. I know that you, you couldn't control oh. yourself so you can't, but, um, you, uh, you are such, so an amazing person. And, uh, oh, can you please you tell know. my audience where they can find your books and where they can find you? Because you are a voice that really needs to be out there now. I read your book and I'm like, Oh my God, everyone needs this. And I mean it Oh, thank you. It really is amazing. I, I, I was blown away. I was so happy when you sent it, but I didn't expect for it to be like, the book everyone truly needs to read right now. So uh, well, tell my audience where to find you. Thank you. You can get the paperback version of the book, Hypocrisy. It's spelled H-Y-P-O-C-R-A-Z-Y, Hypocrisy. I call it Hypocrisy. Surviving in a world of cultural double standards. That's available on Amazon as a paperback awesome. and uh, Kindle. If you want to bypass Amazon and get it in the digital format from me directly, you can do so. Go to my website, theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. There's a support button there. Aww. If you donate $10 via PayPal, I'll send you the new book in digital Aww. format. If you donate $15 or more, I'll send you the new book plus the octopus in digital oh, wow. format because that's all I've got. That's a bargain. And, uh, and then you can you can read it. You can send it to your friends and family. I don't care. I'm fine with that. But yeah. I just want the information out there. And of course, Macroaggressions is the podcast that goes out twice a week, uh, wherever podcasts are served and also in video format on David Icke's platform, Iconic. It goes out on Rockfin, it's on Odyssey and maybe on YouTube, depending on the guest, <laughs> you know, how, how that goes. I know how it works. I got kicked off long ago, but uh, Charlie, you are really, uh, I think a, a trailblazer, a great doc connector and uh, a real voice to be heard right now. People need to hear what you have to say. And I'm really grateful you joined me. I hope I see you again soon. You Thank will. you so much. Thanks, Bye -bye. Mel. Bye.